Yo, what's going on? Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Adorama, 42 West 18th Street here in New York. That is the actual store. This is not a green screen. You're welcome to come down here anytime. Susan Magnano knows that. Magnano knows that. Yeah, yep, that's right. Thank Man. you, Seth. I, I, every time I come across someone knows you, they say your last name wrong, and then it infects my head. And then I'm like, I get all weird when I have to say your last name. Don't be. I mean, <laughs> you could say it however you like. I'll appreciate it. Magnano, Magnano, whatever. American, <laughs> Italian. I, it, I accept all accents. Well, in, in New York, Italian. <laughs> Is, yes, is, yeah. a, is, a, is strong, very strong. Mm -hmm. Before we get going here, I just want to say a quick thanks to our sponsor, Intel. You know Intel. Everybody has used Intel some point in their life. You're probably using it right now. We are using it right now to stream this episode and everything out of the event space. And they just held their AI Everywhere uh, event where they were talking about everything that's going on. They're very aware of what people are trying to do. And so they're trying to outfit you guys with the most power, computing power you can get, including their, uh, their core ultra processors that are in the latest laptops here at Adorama, so check those out if you're looking for it. And I just want to give another shout out to Brulita. Thanks for the coffee. Ooh, oh, cheers. It's delicious. Cheers. What do you What'd you get? I got a mocha. It's a sweet and warm. It's sweet and warm. <laughs> I always go for black cold brew, and I feel like it's it's just a representation We're of my soul. We're in the opposites right there. Yeah, I, sweet and warm. You're cold and dark. I get overheated so quickly that I always go with cold coffee. As if anyone asks me what I want, I always say it's cold coffee, and then I just know I can at least get because that'll get. Okay, if this gets warm, I can drink it. If that gets cold, I'm like, I don't I know. know, man. <laughs> Um, I know it's going to get worse as the day goes on. That's why I'm going to drink it fast. So I apologize. <laughs> Go for it. So if you guys don't know Susan, uh, she does some really cool stuff. And it's something that's close to my heart because we're both shutter draggers. Mm -hmm. Found yeah. it. Boom. We're going to get into some of that. But Susan also travels everywhere and chases the scene that she's looking for. Let's pop into a little bit of your stuff really quick just so you guys get the idea of what we're talking about here. So, I mean, you can, she does a lot of light painting. That shutter is open and she is just flinging light around everywhere she can find it and creating the look she wants literally with her hands. Yep. So it's pretty cool. And, it, and I think it's a, another method. I mean, you guys have seen similar things, but when you get it dialed and clean and you can produce it constantly every time, that's when you're really doing the technique. Not, oops, I got it. Right, right. And it comes with a lot of practice. I'm not going to lie. You know, I love doing light painting, but you know, every time I do it, I learn something new. I think that's what's so exciting about it, right, Seth? You just keep growing your skills. And I don't feel like every form of photography is like that, but light painting is one of them. I think shutter drag leaves you open to so many variables uh, photographers and used to because any sure. photographer that gets like a little bit of slow shutter goes ah and yeah. they like freak out and put the camera down you know right right it's true and with shutter drag i feel like you're experimenting with time something that you know you can actually get a unique photo with and i think we both excel at trying to create something completely unique yeah we do it a little we do it a little different i try to do it for the hey fernando thanks for joining us hey <laughs> oh the brilliant logo still up sorry guys uh the, we, we approach it differently. I try to use it for purely almost for the um, idea of motion. And then you're doing it for an artistic, literally painting the light into your frame. And I think it's interesting because we were just talking before we went live that you use Olympus. And Olympus has a mode that is like made for people like us. Oh, my God. It is so amazing. It allows you to see your exposure as you're creating it. Like, I mean, that's like the true form of artistry. It's like you're able, I put my LCD screen. I actually even bought a little um, screen that I can actually turn the screen around so I can watch my light painting as it's happening in real time. You're like, like James Cameron with Avatar. He's like, I can't do Avatar unless I can see in real time the CGI. 
And what's really cool <laughs> about it is it doesn't overexpose the background. Right, right. So it has this base exposure that allows you to go into the scene and it never overexposes unless you add light to it. Yep. So, so it that's, gives you the time and it gives you the creativity. And I'm like, hey, I need a little bit more light there. I go back with my little <laughs> magical wand. I add my little bit more light. And, you know, that's how we're able to perfect pictures. In camera, in right? Camera. So what's interesting about what she's saying is she chose the tool for what she's ex really trying to do, right? So you don't hear a lot about Olympus OM system. I'm sorry. It's now it's OM system. It's kind of, sure. you don't really hear too much about it, right? We always talk about like the big three brands, but when you realize what the other brands also offer because you're not talking about it, you might unlock something you're not sure about that you even want. So the mode we're talking about is live comp. And what, what it basically does is it lets you take an exposure and then take another exposure, but only records the new light that it senses. So if we shot a street scene, it sees those street lights. Cool. It's not going to overexpose them again because it already got that. But now if it sees Susan's light wand, it's like, oh, that's new light in the scene. It records that. So it does like almost a smart double exposure computational photography computational photography so it's adding in just the added light it's it's so brilliant and it's only it's very rare that any camera has this the iphone can capture with a couple apps um a similar experience but not at the quality that the olympus can do it quality and the control yeah. i think you gain so much control I, I don't care what anyone says the iphone's still trying to put wax on your skin and do weird <laughs> things and it's trying to give you the image it thinks you want sure your camera system that you're using you're telling it what you're trying to do it's just making it easier for you it totally is it's giving you a tool set that no other camera can give you so what what led you to drag in the shutter because i got to tell you I, I remember specifically in probably like four of my classes on shutter drag susan was like front row with a notepad and i'm like she's up to something you know what <laughs> I, I always admire what he does especially with the makeup and he gets the blur so perfectly and i was like man this guy he's really mastered Thank this you. technique and i still i'm in his footsteps trying to get the shutter drag like he does but you got I, it what are you talking I mean, I do about different thing. i don't i don't do the motion like he does so i've just started incorporating motion with flash so i'll get dancers to come into my scene and i'll dance them through my scene but i'll pop flashes at them a little bit different than what you're doing i think you're a little bit more one movement whatever I think the difference between the way we approach shutter drag is is you're keeping the light so separate that it's its own entity and making the designs. I'm trying to get light reflecting off of like a person and then they are that light source. So that's the two differences, differences really. But your shutter drag, I think if I'm, I may be overstepping here, but I think your shutter drag came from your landscape days where you're like tripod, smooth glass water, the rainbows that you get. Right. You know, I remember you did a rainbow shot and you're like, I didn't even see that until I started dragging the shutter. Right. Actually, so the, that was a moonbow actually. Moonbow. So something that's, that happens. You know thing? I did not know thing. Yeah. I didn't know about moonbows. Did you know about moonbows guys? Type in if you've seen a moonbow, because it's very <laughs> rare. I was in Norway, and it was I was on a backpacking trip, a six-week backpacking trip. I'd gone out. There was a full moon. I went out to shoot the stars because a storm was coming in, and I'm basically shooting across a lake, and it's complete darkness because I see these dark clouds. And, you know, it's just like one of those, like, shoot and pray like you don't know what you're doing, especially <laughs> in the dark like I didn't even know what was out there because I had arrived after the sun had set so I know there's mountains I know there's something I take a picture and I look at the screen I go what the heck is that and I see that there's a rainbow and I look at my camera oh that's where I saw it and I look with my eyes and I see there's a gray out rainbow it was strange with my eyes I could now see it because I could see them I kind of want to see that I know <laughs> I and the wind starts picking up, and it was one of those things that you knew you only had minutes to capture this before the storm hit. Is that up anywhere so I could show it? Um, I can, I can like pull it up for you. It's, like yeah. probably, it's so long it's ago. It's a while ago. It's like I, three years ago, four years ago. I remember Susan talking about that image 
in 2017 right here when we used to yeah. do the Photo Brigade podcast, which is how we met, actually. I was teching that podcast. It was a long time ago. It was so spectacular. I, I could find it on my phone. This, I want to talk about this really quick. Okay. This, this is 100% a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my newest type of uh, light painting is with drones. So I'm actually... Oh, uh, that, dude, that's dope. So I'm using a drone to actually light my landscapes because I feel like what kind of power? I feel like a god. I can put the sun or the moonlight anywhere in the sky. So like this little pinnacle, this is from my workshop in Toronto Pinnacles. I put the light on this side, I put the light on that side. And then I said, well, let's actually do some light drawing where you actually see the light source in the picture and draw it around. the. How did you balance the drone for the extra weight? Oh, two things, two ways I do it. So originally I was just using the landing light. So you can actually oh. program your drone a button on, I have the Mavic 3, I can program a button on my remote to just trigger while it's in the air. So you turn it on and off, and then you have to just learn how to do a circle, which you can use that um, spot and circle. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to pitch something to you, and you're going to think I'm crazy. Tell me. <laughs> you should sell drone flight path presets to make designs in the sky with Ooh, lights. Oh, I love it. All right, I'm into it. I mean, they you can do this. Yes, you can do this with with um, GPS coordinates and such. I love it. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> when I become a millionaire, yeah, I'll take you out to lunch. Oh, all right, man. No, I mean, <laughs> honestly, that's. But this is what I like about what you're doing is. A lot of people learn Shutter Dragon. They go the same shot that everybody's doing the same right. things, and then you're like, if I put a drone in the sky, I could be God. She just said that. She. Just, <laughs> I felt like it. You know, it's amazing, especially when you could go to areas where you can actually put the lights in the sky. Around yeah. here, we're so limited because of all the flight patterns and right. New York City rules. But when you go out west, it's like a free-for-all. You're sending the drones up. You're lighting painting mountains. And then now you can create designs in the sky. It's something kind of cutting edge. It is. That's awesome. Are you kidding me? It's like the newest sky writing I've ever heard. That's awesome. <laughs> so, but how long did it take you to get that dialed down? Was it like flight after flight or you were just kind of in it? I mean, to be honest, you can program the drone to do the circle. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, that's the easiest pattern. Next, what I have up my sleeve will be a little bit more complicated. I'm still kind of working out different shapes, squares. That's when it gets complicated. Okay. That's cool. Circle is like, you know, a of the alphabet. Now I'm working on C and D to try and do some more. But now you got to elevate it. Now you got to find a lunar eclipse to circle around. Yeah, I want to see a triangle around a lunar eclipse. I could do it. I need it on my desk by three. <laughs> I need. <laughs> Where is there a lunar eclipse happening? But that's crazy. You could really do stuff like that if you're thinking about. Man, that that opens up a whole nother thing you can do. That's a that's another space, literally, to do something, and that's that's cool, man. I was curious to hear that. <laughs> what, I, what I think is most exciting about this is it's taking everyone goes and takes regular pictures of landscapes, and you're at the mercy of the sun and the clouds. If you get an amazing sunset, heck yeah. But if you get a shitty sunset, excuse my language, <laughs> then you're kind of at the mercy of the sun. Um, but when you're shooting at night, you actually have complete control, except for some moonlight, you know, and the moonlight is like the sunlight, but you can actually control it with your camera, but you can actually now add the light source because you can never overpower the sun completely. Mm -hmm. You know, now you can add this light source on your landscape. Like when are we ever adding a light source on our landscape or not? That's true. That's absolutely true. And you're always trying to find places you like, I always look at you as more than an adventurer. Cause I'm always, sure. whenever I check in on you, it's like some crazy spot, Sedona with ghosts and aliens <laughs> and stuff like that. My specialty. But people don't realize that those landscapes that she's shooting are in complete black. Like you have to work in just dark that just getting, first of all, comfortable 
finding a place. You're, you have to see the place with no light in your head mm-hmm. to then create what you're doing. Right. Right. Well, uh, it actually helps to see with a little bit of light. So I do all my scouting during the day and then I can kind of visualize, well, what will this look like? Like, what can I do that will make this right. interesting? Where can I add my little things? And I do do low level lighting. Are you familiar with low level lighting? Give it to me. Do it. <laughs> low level lighting is when you actually just put a light on a light stand and you shine light on your subject for the duration of your exposure. Similar to what I'm doing with the drone, but I can. that's more like light painting because I'm turning the light on and off. Gotcha. So I'll come with my nan lights. I'll set them up on my scene and then I'll make them funky colors. So, yeah. so now I have like a, now I'm adding colors and vibrance because if you're going to add light, why not add color? So, um, so then I think about, okay, that's good. And then I add my light tools and then I add a drone because why not? You must be going nuts with tubes. Like uh, tubes must be your thing. I love tubes. Yeah. But I love fiber optics. I love, like I go everywhere with it. I love like light blades I get from the guy selling them on the street. Like you ever see that guy yep. selling the light blades at the holiday thing? They're just like, um, it's like a holiday light stick that glows. The little guy with the cart. Brooklyn dollar stores are a shutter dragger's best friend because there's always something that they try to get you to buy because it lights up. Yeah. (laughs) It's for me too. You know, I see these kids who are like, Ooh, and then there's Susan chasing after the little (laughs) cart with lights too. (laughs) But what I was trying to get at with the whole, like, uh, seeing the thing in the dark. Oh yeah. Was Susan's constantly planning. Like what you're seeing about her work isn't like an accent, which is what a lot of shutter drag people tend to do is like, I think this is good because it looks weird. No, you're like there the day before. You're trying to figure out where you're going to be. Your vantage point is. Then you got to figure out your exposure because also you guys have to realize these long exposures, you're prone to things, not just random light sources getting into your sensor because most photographers aren't used to having a shutter open that long. Like a clock radio can throw you out of whack sometimes, but- you're also prone to things like your sensor getting overheated, more noise getting into your uh, your camera, just getting warm and shutting down when sure. it's not like these are just things that cameras weren't thought to do for what you're doing. So I think you're constantly having to like figure it out. And even if you figured the, that shot out, the next one's so different. You're from square one again. It's true. <laughs> I am always building an arsenal. So it's like, okay, mastered that. Then I try and take an element of that and bring it to the yep. next photo. The one thing that I think a lot of people who are starting to do shutter drag and do light painting, like we do it in, in like location, that they they don't know right away what to do is they don't blend the lights in the ambient. So right. um, when you're shooting in a studio, it's easy. You're just exposing for the lights. But when you're shooting in location, you actually have to expose for the ambient if you want right. to get the stars and stuff like that. And then their light tools will be too bright. So understanding how to balance your tools and your background really like we'll take you to the next level. Yeah, because people don't understand if if you've been shooting a suit, you kind of don't understand that your settings, yeah, the shutter affects ambient, but then like if you change your aperture, that is global. That'll affect both your ambient and your strobe. If you change your ISO, that affects both your ambient and your strobe. So like you have to kind of really under I think shutter drag really when you really get into it, you're absolutely understanding how cameras work more. And you'll see other areas of your of your shots kind of expand more uh it, 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 remind, it reminds me of my bmx days where the flatland guys no one gave them as much respect but it's like if you learned flatland you were doing such crazy techniques on big ramps because you were so dialed in there i think shutter drag at least try it right okay. what do you got to lose it's not like when i learned on film where it cost me a lot every time i did it you know? and i think what's fun about it is it's such an experiment that once you start doing it there'll be one picture that gets you hooked <laughs> you're like wow and then there'll be like a hundred that are bad but like it's that one shot that you nailed 
and you're it like, keeps you coming back for more. You're going to go, what else can I set on fire? Because gonna- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. really, you start thinking like, well, how would this work with fireworks? Well, look at this LED strip I found at Home Depot. What would happen if I swing this thing around? And then someone's going to go, can you spell my name? How many people right. ask you for that? <laughs> like, can you write my name? But there's plenty of, um, it, it's a baseline to deliver something. Like I remember seeing promos for your next workshops written out mm-hmm. in Shutter Drag. And I was like, that's some way to stop somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fun if you can even do it, film it in real time so you can watch it develop. And that's what you can do with the Olympus. You can watch it develop in real time. Yeah. The OM system has a lot of stuff in it that people sleep on because it's not talked about. But what people have to realize that because the sensor's smaller, there's less data to process that way. It opens them up to so many other things computationally that they can do. And and I think you'd be surprised what's in those cameras. Gavin knows all about this stuff. Right. And I, I thought you were a Sony shooter forever. And then you were basically like, no, I shoot everything. I dabble in everything because I'm a teacher. Yeah. So if I lead these photography adventures, I have to kind of know every system. Right. So I actually just tried out the Nikon, which was cool. Yeah. I feel like I've been anti-Nikon my whole career because when you start <laughs> off Canon, Nikon's the enemy. You're being filmed with one right yeah. now. You're I being know. filmed with one right now. But it was fun. And now I kind of feel like well-versed. I speak a lot of camera languages. Yeah. And I see that each camera has its own little like niche, beautiful element. and um, Their philosophy is different. And exactly. And just learning the menu systems and the buttons are a little bit funky. And some of them I love. Some of them I'm like, why would they? choose this right. and I'm sure you think that a lot too but it's kind of fun to know each camera system so I've kind of dabbled in all of them just to get to know them a little bit better yeah and I think when you learn one and then another one you almost kind of know what you're looking for a little bit more because you're like actually I like it when it has a third dial I don't care if it has a third dial like, or I want this to be easier accessibility like for me one of the, the game changers when I when I got into the Nikon Z system was the internal grip custom buttons right. I'm never taking the camera down now I'm not looking for a button it's right there and I'm, I'm like playing an accordion he sees me <laughs> shooting I'm like playing in a, a play, it's like I'm playing an accordion while I'm, while I'm shooting but that meant a lot to me and so when I now I look a lot of custom buttons I'm like obsessed like where they are systems now because I want to know what I can do with it to make it my own. But the one thing that's got to drive you crazy at workshops, which drives me crazy, is everybody has a custom camera now. I know. Back in the day, you handed someone a camera with shutter speed, aperture... And you shot. Now it's like every button is programmable. Yeah, I so said, like, so where did you program the aperture? <laughs> like, that's the first question. It's like, what? It's like, it shouldn't be programmable. It should be right there. It's easy, but they She doesn't program- want you to have freedom, guys. No freedom. They None. made it the back spinning wheel. I don't know why they well, do that. Well, I'm but- waiting for cameras to make every button a glowing OLED that you change, and it'll show you what it is. So there's no more markings. The button becomes marked. I'm waiting for it to just know in my mind what I want, and it just changes. (laughs) It'll be in here at that point. A blink. Yeah, Elon Musk is going to be like, just hold still. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking a picture right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Google Glasses were. Remember that? How come that never took off? It was because they started out at $1,500, Oh. and they weren't that great. Okay. and I, I think if you saw someone walk around with that, I'd be like, I'm going to rob that guy. I think he's got some money. <laughs> Probably has just some me? money. You're no, right. Just me? Yeah. Is, so what is, uh, when you fi- got into the OM system, w- did you know about the live comp first? Or were you looking for that kind of, were you looking for shutter drag tools is what I'm asking? I heard about that, that they okay. could do live comp. And I said, well, I need to s- ch- check this out. And it took me a couple of tries to get used to it because it's different than any other camera. It is, yeah. I had to understand what the base exposure cute, was. cute, though. 
Yeah, they're cute. <laughs> and they're so portable. I love it. Like you can just, I could fit all my camera lenses in a side satchel bag. I have a telephoto that goes to 400. I have it's a 1635. Like <laughs> I feel like I, it's actually as big as this, you know, like all my lenses. Yeah, I believe it. And it's super weatherproofed. Yeah. which is great for what you're doing because you're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you're literally in the desert, man. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and I don't have to, that's the biggest thing. I don't have to carry my huge Shimoda bag with me with like just weigh me down. You Everything's have- huge for you though. <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when, uh, when you look for locations in the wild, are you specifically looking for places that don't have light pollution? Not really, because I feel like I shoot a lot in out of Las Vegas. I go to like a lot of ghost towns. I go oh, to like yeah. Badlands. Light pollution is really uh, is really a hindrance when you only want to shoot astro. But when I'm doing light painting, if there's some light in the sky and I see some stars, that's okay. Okay. But when I want to do like let's say Milky Way core, like I'll go to Trona Pinnacles and I'll go to the Alabama Hills because there's no light pollution there. I'll go really really out there because then I want to make sure it's about the stars and it's about the landscape. But it depends what I'm shooting. Do you, do you use GPS at all for all this stuff? Do. Yeah, you, okay. All so right. I have a couple apps I like to use. I use one called Gaia. Okay. It helps me track my locations. I'm able to put pictures in. I'm able to mark my territories because when we're doing this, I'm always scouting. So like even when I'm on vacation, I'm like, this is a good place yep. to come back to, take a picture, scout my location. Start on Google Maps. Exactly. <laughs> do all the, download all the maps from Google. You know, it's like <laughs> such a procedure. Like traveling with me is like traveling with someone who's like making notes on everything. Oh, I'm sure you have like the sickest like location set list for anybody that's trying to do some stuff. out. You've, you've been doing this for so long and so all over the place. Right. That you must have so many locations mapped out. So what would you say to someone that goes, I'll just do it in AI. Why should I have to travel anywhere? I feel like it's the experience. I mean, like, is it fun to sit down at your computer and type in exotic landscape with star <laughs> trails, you know, and like a beautiful model? And then it pops up. Sure, that's cool. Like, wow. But is it as fun as getting to a location, seeing it in person, experiencing the wind in your hair? I mean, there's such a. Um, yeah, exactly. Yes. Feel uh, that wind. What if you're bald? <laughs> <laughs> Feeling the wind on your scalp. <laughs> Aerodynamic. Um, but like, there's something about actually being there experiencing it and then being able to share it when you do something on ai it's not really the same thing you know you just i think it's cool i don't uh, you can share with your friends but you don't can't take ownership it's yeah not really your own there's no comp there's no conquest right you know it's cool don't get me wrong i've been like wow but it's not like you there you experience it. you didn't have the food you didn't see the sunset you didn't get up for sunrise you know you didn't do all those things well you're doing a lot with models too and what if someone asks you specifically to do it and to do that shot for them. You know, a lot of dancers work with you, which makes total sense because it's like super glitz the way you do it. As as sleek as it is, like sci-fi as it is, it's 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 glitz, man. It balances sure. really well with sure. the rhinestones and the costumes and yeah. the crazy way they pose. Like dancers give you so much, right? And then it, just to match what you're doing with the lights, swirls, and all these things. What I also appreciate about what you do is it's is there's precision to it. There's some symmetry. It's not mm-hmm. just random movements. You're choreographing yourself while you're shooting people who choreograph themselves sure. for a living. It's like if you really think about what you're looking at in your images, there's a level to it on both sides. It's true. And I think symmetry is key. I, yeah, like, yeah. To, I like to make sure, I like to attempt to create symmetry because then I think it draws your eye to your subject. Um, but yeah, I, d- I definitely think there's a lot of thought process that goes into the pictures. Sometimes there isn't though. So is it always you painting or you send someone else to do it while you're shooting? So a lot of the things I do is myself, but I like to actually incorporate 
my team. So right. like my team could be my partner Cliff or it could actually be my friend Joe or it could be my students. So when I do a workshop, it's actually my goal to get people to feel empowered to do light painting. A lot of people get intimidated because they see why? how perfect I'm doing it. But I say, guys, did you, did you see did you, I saw how perfect I am? I mean, so intimidated by my perfection. No, no, <laughs> it's only because I practice. It's only because I practice. And if they practice, they could do it too. And to be honest, if you actually hang out with me, you'll see that I don't do them all uh, perfect. You're the most least intimidating person I could think of, literally. Like I can't imagine going out on a going out to a crazy location. And you're going, we're going to paint with light and go, all right, I don't know. Like, what are you kidding me? Like, I would probably be so hyped up. What do you have to lose? It's pixels. Exactly, it's true. If, if, I think the only intimidation that could happen from that is if they booked a shoot with someone going like, I'm going to make this happen in front of your face. And they keep right. on falling on it. But this is where you get to kind of play in the mud a little bit. Like, That's where literally. they're learning. It's a learning experience. And I'm so, sure you push them too, right? Like I challenge do. them. I do because I think once it's really, to be honest, the really fun part is being the painter. So I don't mind being. Oh, the really? Painter. Yeah. But being the spectator is a great experience to be like, wow, how that happened? I saw. But being the person who is the artist, when you see what you've created in the darkness, then you feel empowered to do it again and to change it a little bit. It's an addiction. I'm not going to lie. I'm addicted to doing this. Because I, I can see it's like nonstop on your page here. I mean, well, you know, I just did a workshop. So a lot of my feed is it at the moment, but it's because every time you do it, you know, there's something a little bit different that you can actually do. You can change with it and modify and you just keep going. Well, it's funny how many factors go into uh, light painting. Uh, one of the things that people don't realize is you reflect mm. and you have to worry about what you're wearing. Sure. Um, I actually did something uh, in a graveyard a million years ago in my film days, and I wore a, I wore a ski mask because my face was showing up. <laughs> you too uh, white. Yeah. Well, you know, we didn't have the same lights we had back then, right? Sure. So they were just it was just like halogen, whatever I could find, blowing right. light everywhere, you know. And back then, I didn't know, uh, I didn't know as much grip. I mean, this has got to be like 2002, 2001, maybe. Oh God. <laughs> and and uh, I used aluminum foil as cinefoil. And oh, that's cinef great. Cinefoil's black. Aluminum foil, not Reflected. so much. Sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm like putting bandanas around my face. I'm covering myself with black gloves. People don't realize how many things pollute an image when you leave the shutter open for that long. It's like leaving the door open. It's as insecure as that, you know? But, man, you look at that. You're nonstop. Look at this. I just came back from actually uh, Las Vegas. I did a ghost. I did a workshop out there at a ghost town, and I, then I went to Badlands Basin and uh, Badwater Basin. Actually, that picture right there. This one. Badwater Basin is the lowest place in Death Valley, and it filled up with water because of a hurricane. But it's also the driest place on Earth, so it's very rare for this to happen. And that is a dry, not a dry lake, but it's a bad water. It's a salt basin. That's pretty slick. So we had about two inches of water. I was able to convince a model to come out from Las Vegas, drive two and a half hours, and pose in the freezing cold out there. And we did these great shots, and it was just amazing. We had no no moon, lots of stars, and she stood there in a dress in the cold, and it was just amazing. But um, this is just a light tube with um, two light tubes, one with the red gel and one with the blue gel just dancing around in the water. Well, I mean, the water reflecting a mirror back, you rarely see that in a lot of rooms because it's always dry. Right. right. So I think this is really cool. I mean, this is something I could see like, I, I want to do it with cars because I used to drag headlights a lot and do that as the light sure. painting. I But like a reflection, like all that stuff, like you could throw this at whatever subject you want. The hard part is making it your own. Right. 
You know, because after a while, uh, unless you have a specific way you're orchestrating your light painting, it could easily look the same. So what would you what would you do to try to tailor to make it always your type, your style? I just incorporate a lot of different things. I don't know if I have a complete style. Yeah. I feel like I use a lot of different tools. Yeah. I think I'd say my, my style is very colorful. Uh, like yeah, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say so. I use a lot of Nanlite products, and their T2, you can see right there, is featured, that one, um, is featured with a uh, changing color. So it changes like a it's LED t stick, and it changes a bunch of colors. Yeah, uh, that's what these are. It's amazing. Eight-foot tubes, man. So yeah, Nanlite, they're, they're leading the way in light painting. Yeah, I did the... Um a long time ago on our channel, on this channel, there's a Paris video where I did a rainbow ghost on an SFX character. Mm. And that was a, an RGB light that we were just rotating through colors. But because the shutter is open for so long and they're moving as, let's say, red, blue, green, they're only staying there for so long. So that becomes the shutter speed, right? So red, then their ghost becomes blue, then becomes green, then there's a flash. You get that whole trail because that's what was reflecting off of them at that time. So Susan here is doing similar, right? That's what that light stick was yellow at that time, purple at that time in the exposure. It just happens to be that it's the light that's changing rather than that becomes the shutter speed almost for that color. Gosh. <laughs> it Take a sip. <laughs> yeah, but you know, once you get it, yeah, yeah. it totally makes sense. Like it sounds like gibberish unless you've done it. You know, I think there's a lot of a very interesting light technology coming out. I think we're going to start seeing you're going to have a blast. Things get smaller, mm -hmm. brighter, mm -hmm. faster mm -hmm. flicker rates. Also, you know, what, what drove me crazy was <clears throat> a long time ago, the RGB lights weren't so smooth and they looked like dots. Right. And sometimes you want that, but sometimes you just want what you're getting, which is a nice even flow. It took a while for that to happen. Sure. Technology yeah. keeps improving, thankfully. Have you, uh, has there ever been something you picked up that just was like, this is just not the look I'm looking for? Like this light in my head probably would have been awesome. Or you're just like, no, I can make it work. It looks cool like this anyway. I mean, I think I use a lot of different tools if I don't like it and it doesn't work after a couple of tries. It's happened with a lot of my tools. Like this Nanlite, at first it was, I, um, when, one of my frustrating points was it doesn't turn on and off on a dime. And for me, I want to just do one oh. thing and then turn it off. Got so it. now I've incorporated by moving through my frame. It's just about modifying what you're doing to make a tool work. And now if I have the app, you can turn it on and off with the app. Right. So that means I need someone turning on and off with the app. But, you know, you just have to kind of modify it. So I'm, I'm pretty much, if I love a tool, I'll figure out a way to use it. It's really funny that you say that because I've, I've actually asked for this and no one understood why I wanted it. And now you just explained it. I want a dead man switch on a on a light so yeah. that when I, I squeeze it, it's on, and when I yeah. let go of it. Yes. So can you imagine, even if you're a wedding shooter and you have someone that's just running around with a light, they squeeze, they, they, they it's on, they drop it, they're not burning battery, they're not looking for the switch, Not it doesn't boot up and boot down, you know, because now lights have to boot, <laughs> have to actually yeah. boot up. Like, pressing it. It says like the brand name for a second and you sit there. Yeah, I know, right? So when did you get into town? Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. And then <laughs> exactly. that's like always what it is. I want, Nan light, dead man switch, make it happen. My desk by three o'clock. That's my new thing. I'm going to make a shirt. Make <laughs> is there anything that you're still hoping comes technology wise for what you're doing? Cause I feel like you're, mm -hmm. you're in such a weird spot that you probably have something in your head that you're hoping will come to fruition. It's interesting. A lot of the lights that they're making are too bright to use for Astro. So like a lot of the lights I use. At 1%? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like <laughs> a lot of, I know. And degel it. <laughs> 
Because you got to think about it. When you're doing star photography, you're shooting at a higher ISO, 3200. Yeah. You're shooting at wide open because you're trying to get the stars. And then think about how bright that light is. And if you leave it on for longer than a second, then it's actually going to be too bright. So then I have to modify the lights. I add a strip of tape to kind of cover half of it. And it would just be easier if it just was dimmer. Why don't you put ND gels on it, though? Well, if it's a colorful thing... Um, on the gel itself? On no, the- an ND gel. You can get as dense, as dense or as you know not dense as you want, and you can just wrap the light on it. I could try You it. can knock That's out a, a stop idea. or two. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll have to buy some today here at Edrom. We should try that. If I actually am curious if that will inhibit your color. Yeah. There's a lot of things. There could be a color shift, but like you could dial it because she's using RGB light. So... Yeah, Ooh. these are the things I'd like to try out. So thank you guys for giving me that idea. <laughs> Yo, we're going to try that today. Yeah. I wonder if an ND Joe would knock that. If was it, How many stops do you think it burns over? Well, I did a test in my living room, and I was at 100 ISO. Or 100, I was at 1%, and I was at... So I try and do it like the settings I would be doing it. At 3200, right. and at 1%, it was like way bright. So It's probably reflecting off your walls too, though. I was just kind of guiding the the brightness of the tool. Man, now I really. Or you could do a net. You could put. You could actually put uh, like how you put in front of Ari's. They they knock out a stop by putting a net there, so that wouldn't inhibit color. All right. Are you talking like a grid? I want to try this like right now. <laughs> Go get it. It's like finish the show. Finish the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's cool though. Maybe honestly, you got to let me know if this works out. Either a, a net or actually, I think the net might. No, because if the net's touching the light, it's still going to spread. So it shouldn't, it might register to a certain They're not hearing him, so I'm not going to keep on talking to Fernando. Right. We'll, we'll figure it out, and when we figure it out, we'll Anyway, there's back. a question in the chat from Michael Brown. <laughs> Lovely shots. When do you know when to stop before it gets, quote-unquote, messy? How many takes do you do before each shot? Um, so messy means maybe you added too much light. Yeah. I think there's always, there's always the chance of going too much overboard. So I like to actually... Try simple things. So I start off with one movement, then I add a second movement, then I add a third movement, and it's kind of a build. Um, so I start off slow and build, 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 and then I say, oh, too much. Now it's getting too complicated or you're, mi- you're missing the, the kind of flow. But what was the second question? Is it how, um, how many shots do you take? Oh, how many shots do I take? I guess it depends on the scene because first you take a shot for the ambient, so deciding what you're going to expose for, and then you test the light source, and then you kind of get into the light painting and the designs. So it could be like four or five. It could be 20 um, as I build the shot. So there's no real set answer for that, but it's a good question. How did you get down your movements to be so symmetrical? Because it looks like they're so random, but then you see that it's matched on the other side, and I'm like, she has to be doing beats or counts or something. I honestly would love to see a series from you where you team up with someone and do the beats from their album as oh, the painting. <laughs> that's a good idea, matching music. You can even do their artist portrait, you know, like a musician's portrait, and the music is in the image. I'm actually doing, that's a good idea, I'm doing actually a professional... Um, violinist so I don't know if we're going to set her violin on fire with some fiber optics oh yeah yeah. I'm are. not sure what we're going to do <laughs> but now I'm going to say hey why don't you play and I'm going to do some light painting to your beats that's I'm gonna, cool I'm try it. it'd be cool if you can make her strings light like that the fiber optic string could yeah. they even because it's just well, like the play play right it is well I could do I could do that or I could have I have like a very minuscule light I could kind of just light the strings if she could stay really still yeah that'd be cool, that'd be cool. 
Yeah, that would be cool. And then I'm going to try some Seth uh, techniques where she moves. Do it. And gets the drag. Get, get that hair flip. Do yeah. it. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I, I do have you. Did you have to take any kind of like consideration to your own choreography? Did it take you a while to kind of get good at it? Because I, I feel like I'd, I can't dance. I can't, I would suck, unless it's like a mosh, I can't do anything. So I can't imagine. <laughs> to be honest, it's never perfect. I end up kind of stumbling because you're stumbling in the dark. Think about that. You have oh, to right. kind of say, I'm walking in, in the dark. There's a rock. <laughs> so, you know. Step on a raccoon. If I get it perfect, like I'm really excited about it. Um, but sometimes I'll like fix it in post. If something got like really out of shape, I can fix the light painting. I'm, I'm an artist in the end, you know, like you're trying to get to an end result. So is, I'm not going to be like, Oh my gosh, everything needs to be exactly right in camera. Hey, if I goofed a little bit and there's a little light spill, I'll fix it. Right. You know, right, if, right. if I'm a little bit ziggy when I want to be zaggy, I'll fix too. <laughs> technical terms, they're technical. <laughs> you guys have any questions for Susan? Not, uh, this is why it's live guys. You're allowed. And if you're in that chat and you're digging this hit like, this is our 12th episode. Can you believe it? This is the 12th week. Congratulations. Thank you. This is awesome. And you're the last one for 23. Congratulations. Ooh. Boom. Ah. Uh, speaking of going to Vegas and stuff, are you going to be at any of the shows? WPI, imaging, any of them? Yeah, I think I'm going to be at WPPI. Sick, me too. I'm, I'm leading a photo workshop immediately after WPPI. So if anyone wanted to come out to a ghost town and do light painting, I'll be there for three days, four days. You guys should come. I, don't I, think, I think we're bouncing out day, last day. Cancel that plan. Whoa. Cancel that plan. <laughs> it would be kind of cool. Come. Huh. I mean, it'd be really cool. How far away from the strip is it? One hour. Oh, an hour. I know. <laughs> we could even go one night during. An hour in Vegas is forever. I mean. F- an hour in New York is getting to Brooklyn. Yeah, an, <laughs> an hour in Vegas might be another state. An hour in Vegas is like you're in the desert, like the high desert. No, it's, it's cool. It's, it's worth it because it's like, uh, I mean, how much of the strip can you really take? I, none of it. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely none of it. It's like Times Square. I don't want to live there. Right. So yeah. as soon as you have your fill, you get a hit, hit, we'll hit up a car. We'll head to the desert. We'll head to Ghost Town. We'll get some models. We'll do some light painting. I think a perfect place for you would be the, the neon sign graveyard. Like you do your lights in a graveyard of lights. I think that'd be sick if you have could you figure. Have you done this? I always feel like it's so complicated. Like they don't allow tripods. I don't know. I, I haven't shot there. Yeah, no, I've been either. there. Uh, they seem like they just want anyone to come through. Really? They're like, okay. please come check out okay. the museum. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you, if you went once, you've been a million times. I sure. feel like there's never any extra signs that got thrown away <laughs> after like the last 20 years or whatever um so there's a question in the chat from night j what are your thoughts on ai photo editing software and so not just ai to generate but ai editing so if you gave it to it and said hey make it symmetrical if it did that that'd be great it would be cool right i don't know if they do that but i'm sure i could uh i know i could like generate fill the edges and i'm sure i can copy and paste the symmetrical symmetrical thing um but i mean I think any AI tools that can make our lives easier, I welcome. You know, I don't want to have my whole art taken over by AI. You don't but want Skynet making your images for you? I mean, you don't want a T-1000, like, just handing you your work? I mean, if it's better than what I'm creating, I'll say, <laughs> hey, I'll put my name on it. <laughs> at some point, every I think you're going to get irritated. I think at some point when people discover your work, they're gonna the first question they're going to ask you, is it AI? Is it AI? Right. It's going to get frustrating. It's just like when for a long time it was like, is this retouched? Is that Photoshop? Now right. it's going to be, is that AI? Right. It's going to be a, a while. I mean, are you, is there any aspect of AI that you think is going to make what you're doing by hand elevated somehow? Are you waiting for something that might like maybe recognize mm-hmm. something else or? Is there any form of the AI? Is I there mean, a limitation you're dealing with now? 
I don't use AI too much in my light painting. I do use it for like landscape photography, adding in, subtracting, you know, changing skies. I don't do that too much, but I feel like it's a great opportunity to do that. But make some happy trees. Just tap, tap, tap. Yeah. Just tap, 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 tap. Get rid of some some people that were in my shot. You know, all those <laughs> kind of things. Like you're people gone. ruin everything. You're gone. You ruin you're everything. Gone. Okay. <laughs> So I would, I don't know. I'll have to think on that one. There is a Lloyd's asking, do you adjust your color temperature based on the type of lights you're using or just using test shots? I typically keep it on auto white balance until oh, I really? have a problem. Oh, yeah. interesting. It is more consistent. So I will, I'll put it on tungsten or I'll put it on, um, I'll set the, I'll dial it in. Maybe I'll do 3,900. It depends on what I'm shooting. If I'm shooting in like a place that's already like a cityscape with people, I probably don't change it. But when I'm shooting night photography and I want to make sure the sky doesn't turn crazy colors. Um, Interesting. And I'll also add a light on my flash because sometimes when I'm shooting fire, the fire will actually, real fire, like it's it, oranges. It'll turn, so it'll turn orange. the white balance so crazy. So that's when, when I notice that there's inconsistency happening, like my camera is doing wild things, I will make sure it's dialed in. But most of the time, actually, it's pretty good. Wow, that's wild. I, I try to keep everything at, the way I approach shutter drag is everything on daylight white balance because I can control the temperature of everything else. But you're dealing with an unknown factor, which is atmosphere, like moonlight. Mm -hmm. You don't know. If you guys don't know, like the color of your daylight can change based on where you are in the world. If you go to Coney Island here in New York, your daylight's going to look green, right, Fernando? It looks crazy green if you if you just let it stay like that. If for whatever reason, whatever's in the in the air at that time is filtering our light and breaking it up and doing all sorts of things. So I can only imagine what the moon's doing, reflection off of like that that clay like sand that you shoot in a lot. I can only imagine how weird it gets. Aurora borealis happened. Who knows what's going on? I'm actually headed to Norway. I knew you. I knew. I knew. I'm it. leaving for Norway in February. I'm going there for the whole month. The ultimate shutter drag. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but people don't realize that the northern lights aren't always there. Sometimes you'll go searching for it, oh, yeah. and they just don't happen. It's. I think it's caused by the sun exploding and creating the um, auroras. So I'm sure there's a whole lot of factors, yeah. but I've seen online so many people complaining about tours they went on where it didn't even happen and they're like no one's they can't control right they can't control the cosmos for you oh that's a good one dude what about denoise with ai how do you feel about that love it okay do you use topaz yeah i use topaz i also use lightroom i use both oh, okay so it depends on um the lightroom one only works if you if you don't have a j if you're shooting a jpeg or if you have a tiff it won't work it has to be like the raw file okay so i'll try the lightroom one i'll try the denoise i'll see what gives me a better product okay so since you're so tied to color, mm -hmm. let's. I want to see you elevate black and white shutter drag. Ooh, that's, I like that's it. That's my challenge to Susan. I have a couple of black and white ones yeah. post-process. Can I find yeah, them? You yeah, you can. I have one. Uh, it's like a model. Um, she's like a like a year behind. You'll find her. <laughs> You'll find her. She's there. It was a Northern Lights picture. You have so much landscape stuff. It's amazing. should be around here, but... Yeah, I, I would actually like to do a little bit more of that. You know, this one I just turned because it was a simple design. She's wearing like a really cool... That's the traditional shutter drag. Exactly. That is the New York... And that was taken with the iPhone, believe it or not. I believe it. I believe it. I know. How do you iPhone. feel about that? When, when you have a camera that's so computational, how do you feel about the phone being right there as well? You know, it's easy. You know, I like to see... Like, I use the iPhone to see my compositions. I say, okay, this is worth taking my camera out and doing something really creative. And I also feel like the iPhone helps me to see the composition better. Does that Burning Man? 
I was, I was like, they couldn't be anywhere else. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> There's a man behind her, and then also she's dressed crazy. Whoa. Whoa. So this is actually a funny story. So, uh, <laughs> so I was working with this product. Uh, can you see what the product was called? I'm going to kick myself. Spiffy gear. Spiffy gear. But they actually changed their name to like KYU. It's, did they really? Yeah. Because Gavin uses a lot of spiffy gear. Did they? Did you know that? Yes. They changed uh, it. It could be called Caillou. I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but it's the letters are. are it's like KYU. It's such a cool bracelet. It's like a bracelet. It changes RGB. It's white balance. There's two different ones. So they sent me a bunch of pictures to demo and to create content for. And I'm like, hey, listen, I'm on my way to Africa. What am I going to shoot? <laughs> so it's actually funny. We're at this lodge and, you know, the students are arriving the next day. And I was like, guys, I really need to create some content. So as a joke, we brought out one of their stuffed animals into their yard and light painted it. You know what I, you know what I, you know, okay. Here's what I thought happened. Okay. I thought you took the initial exposure and say, and didn't shoot until you had oh, an animal. An animal. I thought you held on to that for like a day. You're like, I'm not going to yeah, multiple imagine. exposures. Exactly. That so would be so this was kind of a joke. I sent it to them and they loved it, but I didn't also want to explain it because it takes some of the mystery out of it. Another idea <laughs> I had was I could have taken like a lion, like a stuffed lion out, but then I thought that would be too... Uh, to they would probably be unbelievable. Well, I don't, that is this is believable. The stuff line probably wouldn't have been. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. I, I I really thought that that was like days of an exposure. Like you're yeah. like, no, nah, I'm gonna wait till I find something or whatever. Oh, oh that wasn't that was Batman. Batman is uh oh yeah, I'll do the Batman one. So, what about going to Comic Con? What about something like that? <laughs> that's my goal, man. I want to go to Comic Con. I want to get a booth or I want. Comic-Con. Oh, you want to get a booth? Well, I think. The whole thing is these Comic-Con people really love their costumes, right? Would they pay to have a light painting portrait? Let's have this conversation. So I, I, I don't know if you watched my channel, but I did a, a – I talked to all the photographers of Comic-Con this year on my channel. And I was like – because they all fight for um, the shots, really. And I'm always like, what is – what are you giving them that someone else is giving them? They don't care. They just want to shoot. And because you can walk in what we call the tunnel at the Javits Center, you can walk the, the tunnel as a cosplayer and be shot by – no, not kidding you – probably 15 people with setups. So by the time they get in there, unless it's going to a publication, they, yeah, they usually okay. wouldn't, they, they really aren't. And I've seen guys come and go at Comic-Con with booths. Cause I, a million years ago, I was like, I want to get a booth and shoot crazy stuff. And I always watched someone take a booth, never come back. Someone take a booth, never come yeah, back. It's expensive. You it's have expensive, to make yeah. so much money in order to even have a booth. I think you'd have to money. offer them a print and they'd have to be willing to walk around with it. I know who really gets prints anymore. Oh, like well, really, like high schools. I think parents. that I think uh, you'd be surprised. I, well, for one, I think a lot of landscape people get prints. I think they, they're, they're very sure. addicted to that. Um, of course, the wedding world and all that kind of stuff that it's the product. But I think if you went to Comic-Con and think about what a cosplay is, it could cost someone maybe a thousand dollars and a year of building a costume. That's amazing. Sure. They'll get a print, then put okay. it on their house and be like, and look, and don't forget, they're streaming on Twitch, and now that's their background. Right. And you then know? it's something different. The light painting would be different. So, it would, Well, it would also be super hard in the Javits I'd Center. I'd have to make like a You'd tent. You'd have to make a tent. A, a booth, yeah. Yeah, or ND the snot out of your, out of your uh, actually, you know what you probably could do with an ND filter on your lens? Mm. You just have to get used to the color tone you'd get. Actually, Nisi does a pretty good one. And then I not, need a super bright light. I could use that NAND light. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if you're going to tell me that 1% is too bright for what you're doing, imagine if you did like a 10 to 12 stop ND filter on your lens, knock the hell out of it. Right. 
I think your hardest part would probably you know be focused. To be honest, with the uh, with the OM one camera, you don't even need to worry about the background so much. It's about now your subject not moving and flashing them in. So because I can underexpose the background. So let's say I found a darker part of the Javits. Right, you're doing a multiple exposure. Right, so I would ex underexpose the background, and then I just have to add the light. So it's, it's not as hard as you would think, except for the ambient light might be in there a little I'd bit. I'd have to use that system a little more to really grip into it. But if you had to, I think you actually could do this. And I think they, I, I think there's a total. All you need is like one big cosplayer to come up, and then they're all be like, "I want, I, I need," yeah. and then they all line up for it. I think. But I think if if you gave them a print, I think you could do it. All right. So does anyone have any connections? Wanna we'll talk, Susan. We'll talk. We'll talk. Good, good. We'll talk. <laughs> we love when we get nerdy. <laughs> but I think there that uh, you need a subject that can hang with the ridiculousness of your lighting. You can't just do like a more a, a very vanilla, boring looking person. Yeah, there, you know? but I'd have to be under thirty seconds, and I do most of my exposures are under thirty seconds. So everything you see here, that's the a most lifetime. I know. That's a lifetime. Anyone that shoots longer than the 125th, like, ah, <laughs> ah, the cat, I got to put it down. <laughs> I mean, what Shutter Drag really is, is if you ever shot film, it's the 37th exposure on the roll, and you were like, oh, it's kind of weird. I like it. That's what that's what Shutter Drag really is about. <laughs> so do you have any tours or anything coming up you want to promote? Anything that people should yeah. know about? Yeah, so uh, I leave for Norway. I'm headed to Norway, actually, this week. Uh, next, Actually, starting next month. And then after that, I'm going to Las Vegas for WPPI. Nice. And then after that, if you guys want to join me after WPPI, the light painting workshop I'm doing in Nevada, I'm going to Death Valley afterwards. So if you want to come do landscape. <laughs> if you guys want to come to Death Valley. Death Valley, <laughs> light painting. Crazy, and then, um, then after that, I'm going to the Dolomites uh, with the Venice extension. So if you want to Jeez. eat good food, drink some good wine, take some pictures of some mountains. How big are your workshops? Like how many people usually go on a trip? 10 max. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice and, and I have chill. a co-teacher, Clifford Pickett comes with me oh, i know clifford yeah. yeah he's been here a, mil a million years ago in the old space that's cool and then i have a couple of retreats coming up so for the people i feel like the con of doing all these workshops is people take gorgeous pictures but never really get them or never do anything with them so i'm planning a full retreat where we actually do the editing and we sit there so we'll shoot in the morning we'll edit during the day and then at the end you'll have something to show from it whether it be like a 16 by 24 print we'll spread in locations an album because I think that's like one of the key things that workshops miss is like you the have finish. a fun experience, you don't do the finish. <laughs> I think a lot of people shoot and then it goes on a drive. Right. And then it, we, we never teach the pick the image, stick to it, commit to it. Because I think that's what you learn from printing is this is the shot. Not yeah. here's 50 of them. I've given up uh, completely on life. So, <laughs> I, so all the shots I do, like you guys see on my Instagram, if we do like a thousand different setups, I just throw all the shots into a video and I'm like, there you go. That's a slideshow. I'm not even going to look at them. Just you pick it. But if you, I think what you're doing is so deliberate and intended, intentful, sorry, getting to a print is like the the epitome of like that is the, that's what belongs in the world. You can't and ever turn it off. It's right there. I think if you shoot for that mindset, I think a lot of people don't ever shoot with the end goal. And like, that's fine too. I mean, I don't always have intentions with my that's shooting. True. Like, you know, I'm just like, go out to shoot. But if you're like, hey, I'm going to go to the Dolomites and I want to have... 
I want to create an al album or book, and I want to have 30 images. So if every day you say, I have 30 days of this trip, I wish it was a 30-day trip. It's not. That's a long trip. It's only trip, 10 dude. days. <laughs> but let's say you had 10, uh, two pictures a day. You say, today I want to have two pictures from today that I love. I want to have two pictures. Or you, know, you just get into this mindset of saying, okay, this is an amazing sunrise. I want to have a picture from today. And you say, okay, got my picture. Then you can kind of move on in your mind. You're shooting with purpose. No, that's we, we always talk about that. Because uh, at least here we always say it's a language, right? So yeah. if you're not really sure what you're saying, no one's going to connect with it, period. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, there are some questions in the chat. Uh, Ben's asking, how long have you been doing photography and which photographers do you like or inspire you? Oh, good question, Ben. So I started doing um, photography actually right after college, right after high school, actually. I interned at a newspaper in my senior year of high school and my first year of college, they started hiring me as a photojournalist. So that was back when photojournalism was a thing. And we <laughs> shoot film, you know, that's how long ago. I have hope. Come I on. Know. What are you doing? I shot film back then. Yeah, so man. I moved on to doing event photography. So it's been really my whole career. I did set photography, photographing for the Food Network and doing a bunch of things. And now I've kind of evolved to doing workshops and still doing commercial work and even weddings on occasion. So yeah. when the right job arises, I love to take it. I okay. like having my hands in lots of different buckets. I'm sure. Because it keeps you sharp. I'm sure brides look at the play painting stuff yeah. and they're like, ah! <gasps> I know. George, I want this. I don't know why George, but uh, George. <laughs> I called them my signature shot. So I was like, well, we need to do your signature shot and we're going to do light painting after the sun sets. So make some time after you have your cocktails. And How cheesy do they get? They're like, I want a heart like this around both of us. <laughs> I want our foreheads touching, a light behind us, and a heart. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had too much. No one really understands what it is. <laughs> To be honest, if they did, I think that would be more of it, uh, more more understanding. But they just kind of come and they just watch me dance around. And by that point, they've had a couple cocktails. So they're just like, wow, cool. I, I think the most literal thing <laughs> I would want a couple to have light painting wise is the date that it happened uh -huh. as the shot. And that's that's as literal as I would give them. Okay. And then everything's got to be abstract, weird. I craziness. like it. That's a great idea. You're Thanks. welcome. Thank Look at you. this presets. I'm giving you all this stuff. I'm setting you up, lady. Thank you. I knew right. I came here for a reason. When, yeah. you, when you said photographers, I admire Seth. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> and also, I'd like to say Eric Perret. He's actually the founder of this type of tube light painting that I do. If you don't know his work, check him out. He does really amazing things with multi cameras now. Do you know Seth Perret? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know the work. I don't know him. I don't, yeah, yeah. But his work is really amazing. It's kind of crazy how the light painting thing, so for a long, I just, I, this has been on for a long time. Sorry, guys. Um, the uh, <laughs> the light painting thing, I remember uh, for years ago, they were trying to sell you the pixel stick, right? Mm -hmm. Which was this thing that right. was like whatever. Then tubes just, be, just exploded. And I'm like, man, if these tube companies just realize what other people were using, because tubes were really kind of a thing that filmmakers did because you could hide them and they could mimic like, ceiling lights and they, but they would be cleaner but then when photographers got a hold of them we were like we want to do weird crazy things and make them <laughs> sure. blink on this half and do weird things sure. on that half i think uh both video and photographers elevate the manufacturers and i'm pretty sure half of what you're doing they're like what if we did this mm. what if we made it do that mm. i'm sure you're, you're causing some engineer a lot of heartache right now i've sent them a lot of notes i'm sure you have <laughs> has anything come true you know, I feel like it's still in development. There's never been like the next gen yet that I'm hoping that I'll see the next gen and, and then I'll say like courtesy of Susan Magnano's wishes. But how, well, how <laughs> cool would it be if it's just firmware now, right? right? It just has to be an update, you know? I mean, 
I could see you having your own, like how they put black on the back of the tube, your own signature color, whatever you want. But like Dead Man Switch, we're going to do it. We're going to keep pushing them. Nanlite, we're both coming for you. Dead Man Switch, we want it. <laughs> cool, man. Well, this was, uh, I, man, this just flew. I know. I could I could hang out here. Let's get another coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got like a keg there. What's going on here? Oh, man. What's going on, guys? So... What's next besides the workshops? Do you have anything like major projects? Ooh, I'm working on some personal projects. I kind of want to, it's hard because I live a lifestyle where I'm traveling for a lot. Yeah, you are gone. But I also want to like grain some roots. So I'm in like a, I'm <laughs> like how do I put down roots? But I'm traveling all the time. So I'm trying to do a balance. You sublet. <laughs> hey, get out of my apartment. I'm back. Yeah, yeah. Airbnb. <laughs> so I'm kind of working on a couple ideas, still kind of information, but. I'll keep you posted on how they go, but really thinking of doing some things like um, coming up with an online course, online painting, coming yeah, up with a book. It. You know, I feel like as a traveler, you're always on the go and planning the next thing. Why don't you have a channel? Mm. Are you kidding me? Like you're going someplace, just document it. Right. What are you crazy? Then then document the process of what your lunatic head did in the black of desert. Can I hire you to come film me? I am too busy, madam. <laughs> uh, seriously, this, the first half of this year is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Louisville for imaging, Vegas twice for NAB and WPI. And my ghost town workshop, good. Is it really the day after? The yeah. direct day after? We'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Sweet. And what, by the way, what drones are you bringing with you? I have the Mavic 3. Mavic 3. I feel like you had to, kind of, if you're going to put lights to it, you kind of had to put a little bit of thought into the payload, huh? Um, so I don't put a lot of lights. I use uh, aperture light. Okay. Like I use the, the smallest MC? light. Mm-hmm. The little, what's it, is it the MC? What's it, yeah, the MC light. No. So it's a color one, and then you can put it up there, and you can trigger it with your phone. So to be honest, I've done a lot of the ones that are built into the drone already, and then now I've started adding that one on. So it has to be light. It has to be like, <laughs> man, I think that's really, I think that's a really next level thing to think about light painting with drones. I think that's, yeah, I'm really curious. I want to see where you are this time next year after all that. I'm very curious about that. Yeah. But you guys stay up on, on Susan, man. She's chilling. You guys can check out all her work right here on social. Go hit follow, go hit like on a bunch of stuff. Go say what's up. Be a mensch. Say hello. Hello. You know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this has been great. Thank so. You, I want to, of course, thank you for being here. But before we get out of here, I just want to say one more quick thank you to Intel for sponsoring this. You guys have all known Intel your whole lives. And they're up in their game every year with new processors. And they're in the latest laptops here at Adorama. So check out the link down below. And, uh, yeah, Susan, man, you're exhausting. I can only imagine what it's like to go to one of your workshops. It is exhausting. You don't sleep. <laughs> like, I will wear you out, yes. But stay up on her. And uh, we will see you guys next year. Oh, wow, this is it for the year, huh? This is the last one for the year. My next guest will be Omar Gonzalez, January 3rd. I hope you guys all have a great holiday. Hope Happy holidays. Hope you're in for a great new year. I think you're going to have a ridiculous year. You're always going you somewhere, too, my man. Friend. Mm. Guys, stay up there. Stay creative. We will see you create no matter what. Hit like, subscribe, all this stuff, and we'll see you guys next time. Later. Later.